let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. In 1979, a young man named Jadav Peyeng stood on a desolate sandbar on Majuli Island and looked out over the destruction caused by recent flooding. Majuli Island had once been the world's largest river island, but frequent monsoon rains had devastated the island, causing flooding and destruction. In fact, 60% of Majuli Island had disappeared, washed away through erosion. Now, scientists estimated that the entire island would disappear within a matter of years. Facing the loss of everything he held dear, Jadev made a decision that day, a decision to save his homeland. He refused to allow the past flooding to determine his island's future. He set out to build a better Majuli and to leave a fertile homeland for his children. So Jadev planted a tree. And the next day, he planted another tree. In fact, Jadef started planting trees every day on Majuli Island. For the past 43 years, Jadef has planted and tended to trees every day. And the result of Jadef's daily work is amazing. On that barren sandbar now stands a mighty forest covering 1,360 acres of Majuli Island. The forest is filled with all manners of trees and plants and herbs. His reforestation efforts have not only slowed the erosion, but also repopulated species of animals that had almost gone extinct. It's teeming with wildlife like tigers and rhinos and deer. There's even a herd of 150 elephants living in Jadev's forest. And Jadev Peyang is not finished yet. He plans on planting another 5,000 acres of forest on Majuli Island. His work is accelerating, and the trees he planted are multiplying. He's leaving a lasting legacy for generations to come. And there's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true story of Jadev Peyang. One day, he made a decision. He refused to accept the way things had become. He broke free from the past and began building a better today. He steadfastly acted, daily moving in the same direction, and his daily discipline bore fruit. He invested in the things that would multiply and reproduce, compounding the impact of his efforts. Just like Jadev, we all face a decision today. Will we accept the way things are, or will we choose this day to make a difference? Past events may have come to sweep away your dreams. You may be looking at a wasteland of lost opportunities that is shrinking every year, but you can bury the past and begin building today. You can make the choices that will bear fruit for your future. And when you choose this day and every day to live God's way, you can bequeath a better tomorrow for others. So are you ready to discover the decisions you need to make to win this day? and bequeath a brighter tomorrow? If so, then let's get started, because this is the day. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace upon us. You created this day. You planned for us to live this day, and you have a purpose in our day. So let our eyes be open to see the God possibilities this day. We submit to you now, we bind every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose 
the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our minds, to open our hearts, to give us the truth we need and the grace to obey it. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment. Join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to Truth For Today. It's great to have you with me as we study God's word together. I believe God is going to do great things in your life today for this is the day that the Lord has made. It's a day of power and potential as we serve the Lord. We began this series last week with the sermon, This is the Day of Destiny. In that message, we discovered that every day is a day full of potential and power because every day is a gift from God. He made this day. He planned for you to live this day. He has a purpose for you this day, and he has all the power you need to fulfill his purpose. And when you strategically participate with God in this day and seek his power, you will reach your destiny. And that brings us to today's message titled, This is the Day of Decision. You see, in order to strategically participate in this day, you have to be sure that you're making the right decisions. So to help us discover what those decisions are, we've prepared sermon notes. You can find your notes on our website and all our social media platforms. I invite you to take out your sermon notes now and follow along with me as we discover three decisions you must make to win this day. Our scripture text for today is one single verse found in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. The Word of God is on your notes. It's on the screen ahead of you, but I believe the Word of God has the most impact when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I'm going to invite everybody online and everywhere to read these verses out loud together with me. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. To understand the meaning of this passage, it's vital that you understand the context in which these words were spoken. The words in our text today were spoken by a man named Joshua, the leader of the nation of Israel. And his words came at a critical time in their history. These words were spoken as the people of Israel stood at a threshold in their history. You see, Joshua had led them for 28 years. It was this same Joshua who led them into the promised land. They had conquered the land and now possessed it. But Joshua and his generation were about to pass from the scene. And so he calls the nation together for one final speech, a final challenge, a farewell. He lays out before them in simple terms the best path forward into the future. And he gives them the choices they must make to win the day and secure their future. And in his words, we also discover the truth for all of us, how we can win this day and secure our destiny. So let's break down his words and discover three decisions you must make to win this day. And here's your first decision. Choose this day to bury your dead yesterdays. Our scripture text begins with these words, choose this day. So the Bible tells us that this is the day of decision. And when the Bible tells us to choose, it means we have 
options. If I don't have any options, then I don't have any choice. But God clearly says to choose, and he gives us options to choose from. What are those options? The first option facing us in this passage are options about whom we should believe and whose opinion we should follow. Look at the options Joshua gave the people. First, he gave them the choice of following their ancestors. Do you want to follow your ancestors? And for us, this represents doing what we've always done. This option means you would allow the habits of the past to hinder the power of the present. And believe it or not, this is how a lot of people live their lives and make their decisions. Well, my dad cheated on my mom, so let me keep up the tradition. Well, all the men in my family have children from different women, so let me follow their example. That's the first option, listening to tradition and what's always been done, your past controlling your options. Then the second option was this, doing what the people around you are doing. For us today, this represents peer pressure. This is the attitude that says, well, everybody else is doing it, so I must do it too so that I fit in. And here's what Joshua was really saying. Will you be influenced by the past? Will you be influenced by the people around you? Or will you let God direct your destiny? And those are the three major influences in every one of our lives today. We all face those same choices. So like Joshua asked the people of Israel, let me ask you, what will influence you this day? Your past, other people, or God? For the fact is, what controls your conduct today are the concepts that you carried into the day. How you view life determines how you do life. And this is why many of us fail to change. We try to change our conduct without changing our concepts. We focus on externals without realizing the powerful internal influences of our past and of people's opinions. We're bound by internal voices that prohibit us from making external advances. A few years ago, a study was done to see the impact of learned behavior on our lives. A group of scientists went to a primary school and asked students in each of the classes a question. First, they went to class one. They asked all the children in class one, how many of you are artists? Please raise your hand. And to their surprise, every child in class one raised his hand. I'm an artist. I'm an artist, the children shouted. They all considered themselves to be artists. Then the scientists went to class two and asked the same question. How many of you are artists? Please raise your hand. And in class two, about half the children in class two raised their hands. Then the scientists went to class three and asked the same question. How many of you are artists? Please raise your hand. In class three, only three children raised their hand. By the time the scientists reached class four and five, only one or two students would raise their hand in response. What happened? Why did all the class one children claim to be artists, but that number quickly reduced to one or two by class five? The fact is, the class one students believed they could paint pictures. They believed they could produce artwork. But along the way, as they drew pictures and colored pages, they met criticism and mockery. Perhaps a child showed his artwork to his father, and the dad laughed at him. Oh, Kofi, you can't do it. Perhaps a teacher told the child, Amma, forget being an artist. You have no talent to draw. And gradually, the experiences of the children, combined with the negative opinions of other people, killed the faith every child had in his own abilities. 
Dreams were crushed before they could grow wings and soar. Hopes were diminished. Ceilings were set. Barriers were erected in the lives of the children. And that same thing has happened to every one of us. We allow our past experiences to limit our present achievements. We allow other people to dictate our destiny. Our past experiences, coupled with other people's opinions, are holding us back in today's conduct. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 18:3, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is telling us you have to believe again. You have to dream again. You have to bury your dead past and reorient your thinking. You need a change of concept to break the barriers and break through to your destiny. You need God to direct your view. That's why 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says it's important to look at things from God's point of view. To bury your dead past, you have to choose the right option. Your choice must not be based on what others say or on what happened to you. Your choice must be based on God. Don't let yesterday determine your direction. Let God determine your direction. This is why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 17, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. In other words, your view will determine you. And this is why it's so vital that you bury the dead past. Don't live today based on concepts you inherited from others. Live today with God's perspective and you will achieve God's purpose. Jesus gave us this principle in John 4.35. I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These fields are ripe. It's harvest time. Simply put, Jesus knew that the disciples had to see something new in order to achieve something new and you have to see more than what you're currently seeing in order to do more than what you're currently doing you can't use the same old view and get a different result but the fact is choices that produce change begin with a concept psychologists tell us that there are two levels of decisions that lead to change level one decisions are centered around conduct change this is how most people try to break a bad habit or start a good habit. They set an action goal. I'm going to exercise until I lose weight. I'm going to get to work on time if it's the last thing I do. I'm going to pray and read my Bible every day. Now, there's no doubt that when you want to make changes, it has to impact your conduct. Simply dreaming about change without acting for change won't change anything. But beginning with the decision to change your conduct is much less effective. It's easier to get discouraged or to give up when your efforts to change are only level one decisions. Unfortunately, this is the default option for most people. And it's the reason most people never change. They try to change their conduct and end up going back to the same old way of life. They try and fail, try and fail, and end up failing to try. But level two decisions are centered around conceptual change. This is internal change. Level two decisions begin the change process by changing a concept or a thought 
or a viewpoint. And level two decisions are much more effective at bringing about lasting change. In fact, this is exactly what God teaches us when he calls on us to repent. For you see, the word repent literally means to change your mind. The English word repent is a translation of the Greek word Jesus spoke, metaneo. And that word literally means change your mind. So the heart of repentance is not just a change of action, but a change of mind. In other words, it's a conceptual change that results in conduct change. We see this truth in Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And if we stop and think about it, we would have to admit that we all know this fact to be true. Every action starts in our minds. Every hope, every dream, every goal started with a thought. That's why we say, think before you act. We know that life change begins in our minds. And when you decide to bury your dead past, it begins by changing the concepts you've developed about yourself and your life. It begins by breaking free from limitations based on past experiences and what other people have told you. If you were raised without any encouragement or input on your capabilities, you must likely have an inferiority complex. Your concept of yourself and your capabilities have been shaped by what other people told you. And while other people's input may sometimes be helpful, most of the input you received wasn't helpful because it was based around your identity and who you are, not about ways you could improve and develop yourself. And whether you know it or not, whether you remember it or not, words that were spoken to you created concepts in your mind that shaped you and made you who you are with your habits and your limitations. If you were told repeatedly as a child, you can't do that, then that mind concept has limited you. You need to overcome that concept for lasting life change will result when you change your thinking about yourself. That's why I say to you today, put aside the things that have come to pull you down. Cast off the limitations of your disappointments, your frustrations, and your failures. This is a day for a restart. This is the day for a new chance, a new hope. Let go of yesterday. Let go of regret. Let go of sin. Let go of bad habits. Bury your dead past and believe again. Bury your dead past and dream again. It's time for you to rethink your life. For Romans 8, 5, and 6 tells us, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Please turn your notes over to page two and understand that your mind will either be controlled by the flesh or by the Spirit. Those outside of Christ have minds controlled by the flesh, but the new life we have in Christ gives us the power to break free by letting the Lord dominate our thinking. And I'm here to tell you today, you can be free. Your life can be changed. Christ has come to liberate you from dead, sinful thinking and give you a new and better life. And if you will let the Holy Spirit take control of your mind, you will have life and peace the same mind that held you as a prisoner will turn around and give you life and peace when God takes over. 
Change your concept. Change your thinking. Change your viewpoint. Make a decision today to see your life as God sees you. Let your past be filtered through the cross. Don't be in bondage to sin, but bury your dead yesterdays and let the power of God through the resurrected Savior govern your choices this day. And that brings us to our second truth. Choose this day to build a better today. Our text continues with these words. Choose this day whom you will serve. And the next step to win this day is to understand that conceptual change is the start, but it's not the end. Conceptual change has to lead to conduct change. This is what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 1 to 3. Listen carefully to God's word. See, everybody say see. See what great love the Father has for us that he would call us his children. And that is what we are. We know that when he comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The person who's looking for this to happen will keep himself pure because Christ is pure. See means that you conceive and perceive God's love. Your eyes are opened and you behold your identity in Christ. When you see God's love, you perceive your identity. And when you embrace your identity in Christ, you will keep yourself pure. Your concept of God's love will impact your conduct this day. Your concept of your identity will influence your behavior. That's certainly the lesson we can learn from David when he faced the giant Goliath. According to the natural view of things, David was the underdog. After all, Goliath was a giant of a man, and David was just a youth. Goliath was an experienced and skilled soldier, but David was just a shepherd. Goliath was dressed in full battle armor, and David was wearing shalewates and knickers. Goliath had a mighty spear with a mighty iron head that could pierce right through David's body. And all David had was a slingshot and a few stones. That's why all his brothers and even King Saul didn't think David had a chance. They viewed him with the wrong concept and they considered him the underdog. But in reality, David had the advantage. Goliath's huge size made him an easy target. It was much easier to hit Goliath with a stone because he was such a giant. David's small size made him harder to hit. Not only that, but a small stone in a sling moves at a much greater speed and velocity than a large spear thrown by an arm. A stone shot from a sling can travel the length of a football field in three seconds. Hey! David's stone was equivalent to a bullet fired from a gun. And best of all, David was coming in faith. David was moving in the spirit. David had the power of the Almighty in him, through him, for him, and around him. Goliath was relying upon defeated demons, but David had the living God. David was not the underdog. And David knew what no one else knew. He knew he had the advantage, not Goliath. So David went out and acted in accordance with his outlook. He was controlled by faith, not fear. He was controlled by God's priorities, not people's opinions. That's why it was easy for David to face Goliath. He didn't give it a second thought. So you've got to realize that David facing Goliath was not a spur of the moment, hasty decision. 
After challenging Goliath, David went and talked to his brothers and other soldiers. He went and had a meeting with Saul. He tried on Saul's armor. He went to the brook to look for the stones to slay Goliath. The process took hours from the time he chose to fight Goliath to the time he went out and killed Goliath. There were hours in between, and he never wavered. It was easy for him to make the right choices because he had the right concepts in his mind. David knew what he was doing. He displayed boldness all through this time without a second thought because he was already convinced in his heart of the right thing to do. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. The right concept leads to right choices, which leads to the right control. The right concept is God's truth controlling your mind. The right choices are God's spirit controlling your will. The right control is God's power controlling your life. So do not be discouraged by the seeming size of the difficulty in your path. What looks like a disadvantage to others can become an advantage when God is with you. If it weren't for Goliath, David's potential would never be discovered. And when you allow God's truth to change your thinking, your conduct will be born from bold belief. You will act in accordance with the truth, and the truth will set you free. For the fact is, choices have consequences. Every choice is a choice about who you will serve. It makes no difference if the choice is big or small. Every decision leads to a destination. For Romans 6.16 tells us, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So start this day and move steadily on the path following Jesus. Every choice, every day will lead you to your destination. Make the right choices this day, and you will build a better today. That's the lesson we can learn from the fascinating story of the first bridge built across the mighty Niagara Falls connecting Canada and the United States. Niagara Falls is a beautiful and majestic natural location along the Niagara River, separating the United States and Canada. The spectacular waterfalls draw tens of thousands of tourists to Niagara every year. But way back in 1848, there was no way to cross the mighty Niagara River from Canada to the U.S. Tourism was booming, business was thriving, but the fortunes of the area were held back by the fact that you could not cross from one side to the other. So in 1848, a group of businessmen set out to build the first bridge over Niagara to link the two nations but they faced a very serious challenge. How could they make the first link across the river to build the bridge? How could they get metal and cement to span the gap? After all, the span across the river was almost 250 meters wide. Steep cliffs dropped 67 meters into the raging, turbulent waters of the Niagara River. There was no way to carry construction materials across the gap. But then they came up with a simple idea. Why not fly a kite and span the gap with a kite string? So on January 30th, 1848, a 15-year-old boy named Homan Walsh did just that. He climbed the cliffs on the Canadian side and flew a kite across the Niagara Falls from Canada to the U.S. The wind carried the kite up 
high, high into the air, across the river, and into the U.S. And when the wind died down, the kite descended and was caught and tied to a tree. And as small and tenuous as it was, the first link was made. A kite string bridged the gap. Then the builders tied a rope to the end of the kite string in Canada. Workers in the U.S. pulled on the kite string until the entire string came across, pulling the rope along. Then workers tied a cable to the end of the rope in Canada, and workers in the U.S. pulled on the rope until the entire rope came across, pulling the cable along. Then workers tied a steel rod to the end of the cable in Canada, and workers in the U.S. pulled on the cable until the entire cable came across, pulling the steel rod along. And so they proceeded day by day to pull materials across the mighty Niagara Falls until finally at last the bridge was built. It's the bridge that a kite built. And if a kite can build a bridge, what can your daily decisions build? Do not underestimate the power of this day. Do not despise the small beginnings. Do not dismiss the impact of daily disciplines. For if a kite string can build a bridge, your daily actions can build a better day. Start small where you are with what you have, and you will see God build something better in your life. It can begin with a prayer. Pray every day and build a bridge. It can begin with an apology. Stay humble every day and build a bridge. It can start with a gift, or an act of service, or a kind word. It may seem so small and insignificant, but done daily, your kite string can become a rope. Your rope can become a cable. Your cable can become a steel rod, and your steel rod can build a bridge. To build a better today, you have to build better choices. Choose this day whom you will serve. And when you build a better today, you will come to the third decision you need to make to win this day. Choose this day to bequeath a brighter tomorrow. Listen to how Joshua ends his farewell speech to Israel. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in his closing remarks, we discover something remarkable. Joshua's decision had generational impact. His choices affected his house. In other words, this day impacts every day to come. And the same thing is true for you. Your decisions will affect others. Your decisions will affect those under your influence. Your decisions this day can produce consequential change. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Conceptual change that results in conduct change will lead to consequential change. When you bury dead yesterdays and build better todays, you will bequeath a brighter tomorrow for others. You will make a generational impact. That's what Abraham did. He left his idol-worshiping family to follow God and go to Canaan. He walked with God daily, and he changed history. And God said to him in Genesis 22:18, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And the same power is available to all of us this day. If you will harness the power of this day, you can bless others for other days. God says to you in Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according 
to the promise. And just as Abraham followed the Lord in his day, resulting in his family and his nation being blessed, so too God has given us the promise of influencing others as we win this day. Me and my house will serve the Lord. My family will serve the Lord. My offspring and generations to come will serve the Lord. That's the lesson we can learn from a study done on two men who lived in the U.S. many years ago. Let's take a look at their lives and compare the harvest they reaped from the seeds they sowed. First, let's look at a man of God named Jonathan Edwards. Reverend Edwards was a pastor who had a powerful ministry. He was devoted to God and invested his life into daily decisions to follow Jesus. Books have been written about his life and legacy. And when we trace the descendants of this great man, we learn an amazing fact. Almost 150 years after his death, Jonathan Edwards' godly legacy included these descendants. One, U.S. Vice President. Three, U.S. Senators. Three governors, three mayors, 13 university presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and one hundred missionaries. Jonathan Edwards built a better today and bequeathed a brighter tomorrow. But now let's look at another man, a man named Max Juke. Max Juke lived at the same time as Reverend Jonathan Edwards did. His life was studied by a sociologist and a book was written about his legacy. And here's what we learned. Max Juke lived an ungodly life. He lived a life full of sinful pleasures and made choices based on evil desires. 150 years after his death, Max Duke's descendants included 140 convicted criminals, 7 murderers, 60 thieves, 50 prostitutes. 310 of Max Duke's descendants were poverty-stricken. Hundreds of Max Duke's descendants were physically wrecked by alcohol and sinful living. The results are clear. Living a godly life produced a godly harvest. Living a sinful life produced a sinful harvest. That's why Proverbs 11.30 tells us, the seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. When you bury dead yesterdays, you break the cycle of ancestral bondage in your family. When you build a better today, you give an example to others that they can follow. You will bequeath a brighter tomorrow when you make this day the day of decision to serve the Lord. That's why God admonishes all of us from 1 Timothy 4.12. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you this day. Sow today what you want to see tomorrow. Do you want to see your children grow up and be successful? Sow an investment into them today of time well spent, bonding in love, wise counsel, and godly disciplines. For you cannot expect your children to achieve success in life when you put them on autopilot and walk away. Do you want to see your business grow and thrive? Don't just sow an investment into your product. Sow an investment into what will drive the product to success. If you have a great product but no one to promote it, then it likely won't go far. Focus on the things that will produce the highest return of investment. Focus on your people as well as your product. Focus on your children. Focus on people. Focus on things that last 
for this is the day of decision. That's what Jadav Payang did. He made a decision. He stepped out onto the desolate wasteland of his homeland and planted a tree. He kept planting every day, and Jadav bequeathed a forest, a fertile jungle teeming with animals and exotic plants and herbs and trees. His daily discipline produced a bulwark against drought and erosion, a veritable harvest for generations to come. That's what Homan Walsh did. He made a decision. He stepped out on the edge of a cliff above the raging waters of Niagara Falls, and Homan flew a kite. His kite landed at his destination, and he used the kite string to build a bridge. Homan Walsh bequeathed a bridge, a breakthrough between two nations. He left a legacy that developed into a major transnational hub of business and commerce. That's what Jonathan Edwards did. He made a decision. He surrendered to Christ and bequeathed a family of statesmen, governors, pastors, and business leaders, a family of righteousness for generations. Now it's your turn. For the fact is God has given you the power this day to make a difference. God has given you the ability to bury your dead past, build a better today, and bequeath a brighter tomorrow. And he tells you, choose this day. Don't let the world tell you what to believe. Don't let the past dictate your vision. See as God sees and do what God says. Choose this day to serve the Lord. For every decision this day has consequences. Let every decision this day build a legacy that impacts generations to come. Make the decision that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because this is the day. We're going to God in prayer. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you to do something today as an indication of your decision to win this day. All across the auditorium, would you stand? God's going to move as you respond to him in faith. If you'll plant a tree, God will produce a forest. If you'll fly a kite, God will build a bridge. If you'll make a decision and act on it, God will meet you and change you. Would you bow your heads, lift your hands all across the auditorium today as we pray. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Right here at Agape House, I ask you to move in our hearts and minds right now, O oh Lord. Transform us with your truth. Help us to understand that the change you desire, the change we need, begins with a change of concept. Change our thinking and let us see as you see. And then, Lord, motivate us to transform our lives by taking that conceptual change and producing conduct change. Help us to begin with a small step today, tomorrow, and every day to follow you, to do what's right, to choose to serve you. We pray as we do, Lord, you will change us, change our families, change our homes, change our nation, change our generation. Let us bequeath a brighter tomorrow when we choose this day to serve you. Touch our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.